I get to grab me a pulpit. It's good to see you guys. Uh, when I first came to Tapawingo years ago, I wasn't a pastor. So I feel like it's not patting me on the back, but I'm, I'm doing what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to change. And so God changed me. He's put it on my heart. He said, go plant a church like camp. You guys are dressed casually tonight, so he told me plant a church is casual. Try to reach the unchurched, unsaved. Try to reach everybody that uh, needs to know the Lord. So we planted. In about 2008, we started doing a few things. And then uh, 2010, we had our first ever church service at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Planted in February. They closed the school in June. So I'm thinking, Lord, did I miss something? We were only there. And he said, no, I want you to move to a different place. So he moved me up then. We went up there, and they kicked us out of there in about a year and a half. We finally got our own place on Williamson Road right now. And uh, God saved someone yesterday in the service. So yesterday morning, someone's name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. So God has acted in our church. So, uh, but I'm, I wasn't a pastor. I'm still learning. Somebody asked me one time, they said, can, can you do this? And I went, I don't know. God will work in me. I, I'll leave the rest up to Him. So uh, if God calls you to do something this week, it might be tough. But uh, you're here and I'm here, so we're going to have a great time in the Lord. But. Let me show you that uh, walk on the wild side sort of has two concepts to it, but I'll get to that. Knowing and growing is how some people who don't know Jesus, you might call them wild. Once we accept Jesus, our life should be radically changed. So that somebody says, man, you're wild. i got a little thing right here that reminds me of that. It's called, I've got renegade pastor on my arm to always remind me of that. Renegades are sort of like wild horses. There's that word again, wild so in other words, step out and do something a little bit different. So some people are wild before they know Jesus, but some people don't know that they can be wild after they know Jesus. Wild for him, though. So I'm going to know and grow in Jesus. Junior high week. I introduced a couple things for you right here. You know what Tapawingo is. There's a picture of me. There's Speaker Edgar Moser. That is, that's my ninth grade picture in high school. No, just kidding. That is a uh, What? That's a tiger, yeah, it's a, a Bengal, Bengal tiger. I guess he's a, the football team. Now, what I really look like is this. This is a LifePoint picture. Uh, that's our church. We remodeled an accounting office and moved in. My house is 4624 Pauling Street. The church is 4624 Williamson Road. God even made it the same numbers so I wouldn't get that mixed up. He wanted to make sure I had the right place. There's my wife, Jenny. She's usually uh, with me at camp, but she's at home doing a lot of things and taking care of our other three kitty cats. We've got five cats in the Motors family, at least we used to. And now we've down to about three, but that's my wife, Jenny. She loves uh, being with me. We've been married 35 years as of June the 6th. So 35 long years. No, 35 years is uh, that's a testimony in itself. The other part of our family is this guy. Anybody know Andy, my son, by some wild chance? Uh, Andy got married about a year ago in May. Uh, he and Lindsay were married one year ago. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's Lindsay and his... That's my son Andy and his bride, Lindsay. They moved a little bit further away, or Andy might have come down and worked a little PowerPoint. And he always hangs around the camp with me, so when he comes. But he moved slightly farther away than I could get a hold of him. He lives now in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, you don't exactly hit your ride to Auckland, New Zealand, and it's sort of like when he left, it might as well just cut off my right arm. Andy's my best friend. sort of. It's like we're more than father and son. He's, he's been coming down to this camp probably when he was about four or five. And so Andy is now, uh, he felt God sort of nudged him. They got a chance to go out there. And Andy called me the other day, and he said something. This is not even a message, but I like this. Andy wrote me a letter that no pastor really likes to get. Uh, 
Anybody a member of a church? Anybody ever switched that church? New church? Yeah, you have to ask your pastor for something. At least it's nice to do. If you go to the next church, you say, would you send a what? Letter of transfer recommendation. Would you send a letter of transfer? I want to move my membership. Andy asked me that. He said, would you send a letter of transfer? And I thought, Andy, you got to be at LifePoint. Yeah, but he says, we found this church called Epsom Baptist Church. They walk out their front door, walk about 20 feet, and they go to, uh, 20 feet, and they go to Epsom Baptist Church. So bottom line, Andy says this, can you send me my letter of transfer? I'm going to join this church. Part of me as a dad goes, I can't, I can't lose you. But what he was saying, they got over there February the 29th. By February, March, April, May, they've been over there four months. He said, this is the place we need to go. Now, I'm not going to step on your toes, but some of y'all might go to a church and say, I just want to make sure this is the place that I need to be going. I've asked people before in Roanoke, you knock on the door and say, hey, I'm Pastor LifePoint Church. I just want to invite you to church. I'm not going to preach at you. Well, we've been looking for a while to find a church. Well, that's okay. You need to look. Yeah, I've been looking for eight years. Golly, eight years? And you haven't found a church? You really think they're looking? No. Nobody's going to look for eight years. You don't want a church. And he's over there four months. This is the church we need to go. He's already preached once over there. He said the pastor's already asking to speak again. So inside I'm going, I hate to lose him, but I'm glad we're there. I feel like it's a missionary team. So Andy's in Auckland, New Zealand. I'm in, where is this again? Uh, what part of Tennessee would you call this? Uh, can't be Knoxville. Watauga, Tennessee. That's what, so I'm in Watauga, Tennessee. He's in Auckland, New Zealand. Slightly different, but he's where he needs to be. I'm where I need to be. Missionaries to New Zealand. There's Andy and Lindsay, and there's me again. And let me show you a picture. We dedicated our church, Life Point Church, and I, I met this guy in Lynchburg a few times. Does anybody know who I'm putting my hand on his shoulder there? I said, You're coming down to Roanoke. You're going to speak that Sunday. And he says, I sure am. I said, Can you come by Life Point and just help us dedicate our building? Just say a prayer with us and say hi to my Life Point family. You know, you sort of want to show off your family. I said, This is my family. Well, I want you to meet him. And he says, Hey, great. And he came in and shook hands with people and prayed with us. He said, listen, it's great. He said, let me do something before I, I go. Uh, and as an assistant there with him, he said, can you do something for me? Write Edgar a $5,000 check to help him with the ministry here. I bet, you know, I was blinking back tears. I thought, you, you can't do this. He said, yeah, I can. I want you to love your brother. That's Jonathan Falwell from Thomas Baptist, Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg. They only have 22,000 members. Uh, our Life Point Church is not quite that big yet. We have 35 members. But anyway, uh, he's slightly larger. But Jonathan took his time to come in and say hi to us. He supports us. That's neat when somebody that big has not forgotten what it's like to be a little bit small. You know. So when your church starts growing, you don't go, hey, look at us. He's not like that at all. So he's a good guy. He came down to pray with us and speak with us. Give you another picture that's sort of close to my heart. That's my life point family. That's not all of us, but we decided to go see. Anybody seen the movie Woodlawn? That's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. So I highly recommend it. We went to see Woodlawn, and I said, maybe we'll take a few people, 10 people. We took 55 people. We only got 35 that go to our church. They invited friends there. So we just showed up to the theater, back left corner poster. You see that football player going like this? So I asked all our life point people to go, yeah, put up your hand. So we clicked a picture in front of the theater. That's me with the Navy jacket in the, in the front there. We had LifePoint t-shirts made up and all that, so we took off and went to the movies. We also went to the movie to see this movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. God's Not Dead 2. Has anybody ever seen that too? So I like that. One of my favorite lines in that movie is when somebody sneezes and then somebody says, 
God bless you. And he went, careful, don't say that. You'll get in trouble for it or something like that. And I thought, wow. So if you say, God bless you in a public school. Now, y'all keep sharing your faith as much as you can. That's our Life Point family. And then one more picture. I'll show you this. This is sort of neat. Andy sent me this for Father's Day. He said, just a few memories. And I thought, Andy didn't know I was going to use this. But uh, top left corner is uh, my nephew, Gene. What's neat about Gene is my brother, Gene. There are five boys in the Moser family. My oldest brother, Gene, drowned in a car wreck when I was only eight years old. It was tough to get through that. So I'm not without hurt in my past, but I lost my oldest brother, Gene. My sister-in-law, Barbara, at the time was pregnant, so I lost my brother, Gene, but then she had a baby, and that baby grew up to be that guy standing beside me. So Gene, little Gene, William Eugene Moser Jr., will say, what was my dad like? His dad was my brother, so I'm telling him about somebody that he's never met. So he'll say, what's my dad like? So I'm sort of good friends with my own nephew, Gene. The picture in the middle, that's me with a guy named Abraham Lincoln. He never said a thing. I sat beside him for two hours, and he never would speak. Stuck up on it. Just because I do know where he lives, though. It's a Gettysburg address. Have you ever heard of that? Check it out. He's, his house is. Anyway, Gettysburg address. That's me and Abe. The bottom left picture happens to be, yeah, that's me. I don't know what the theme was that week. Maybe it's International Week or something. Right there is the background. Was it superheroes? Yeah. Okay, y'all know more than I do. I couldn't remember. I just thought it was looked like France flag behind me. But anyway, top right corner, about three years ago, Andy and Lindsay came down here. Lindsay actually spoke for chapel, and Andy was, again, just parading around, helping me do things. That's us right outside this chapel, standing right out there in front of that fence. So that's my son and my daughter-in-law. And the last thing, it's a little project. If you'll know, i got two jackets and a hooded a sweatshirt on. Temperature's about, oh, 20 degrees, and it's drizzling rain. But Andy and I had this project. He wanted to build a tiny house. So I built him a we built them a house, and it's only got about 100 square feet. He said, man, that is tiny. That's why they call it a tiny house. So it's got a little loft where you can sleep and all that. So we built that from the ground up, pulled in a trailer, put up the, took us about a year and a half or so to do that. So that's in the middle of building that tiny house. So that's a little bit about the Moser family. So my wife, Jenny, and my son, Andy, daughter-in-law, Lindsay, and uh, my three kitty cats at the house, Gray, Hokey, and Grace is the last one because we found her. My nephew showed up there for church one day, and uh, he had traveled from Giles, which is about an hour away. We raised up the hood of his truck and found this little white kitten. I guess she'd rode in the, underneath the hood of a truck for an hour or more. And one pound, seven ounces. She now weighs about seven pounds. So she's bulked up. She keeps guard of the other two cats. She takes care of them. But, I mean, all of our cats are strays, but the Moser family. Okay. You know what this is? This is mm, Tapawingo. You know what week it is? Yes, it's the wild side. Let me give you a couple things. If you've got a Bible, we can uh, go through some stuff. And I want to give you this theme this week is walk on the wild side. And this implies two wild things. So you can just have your Bible right there. I haven't even told you where to go. If you don't have a Bible, I've got it memorized. I'll help you with it. I'm just kidding. We're going to tell you something about this. The theme implies two wild things. We are saved from a wild life. Now, you say, well, I wasn't that wild. But, I mean, still, if you've got a life without Jesus, it's a little bit out there on the edge. So some people are saved from a wild life. And you say, well, I've never done drugs or stole a car or anything like that. I understand. But without Jesus, we're living in a certain place. And I'll tell you where that place is. Number two, once we get saved, it seems like we should begin to live a wild life. That means step out on the edge. And by the time we get through the night, you'll understand what I mean. 
show you a couple things about the wild life. Here's a man who was saved from a wild life to then begin a wild life for Jesus. Who's the guy at the top? If you got a Bible, I will uh, show you something. Here's a scripture I want you to look more. Let me show you the other picture first. Man at the top, saved from a wild life. Man at the bottom was living a wild life for Jesus. Who wants to guess the two people? Bottom is Peter. Yeah, he's living a wild life. You say, well, that wasn't that big. It's a big deal, walking on water. Yeah, that's a wild thing. Wow, look at you, man, that was wild. All the disciples giving him high fives when he's getting in a boat. What's the other guy? Yeah. What was his name? Anybody know his name? He was Legion because there were many demons in him. He didn't just have a... Now, you can't argue with me there. He's wild. So you want to pick up her stories? Let me give you a scripture. Here's the top story. It's found in... Right there's the scripture. Luke chapter 8. Would you look in Luke chapter 8 with me? Luke chapter 8. If you don't have Luke in front of you, I'll just give you some scriptures. Luke chapter 8. So welcome to Tapawingo. I hope you have a good time at camp, but you've got to make sure you, uh, you know, give God an opportunity to work on you. Be pliable. That means be moldable like, like clay. Here's Luke chapter 8. I'm not as bad as this guy, but I want to ask you, this man right here in Luke chapter 8, if he is sort of crazy, a little bit on the wild side, let's get a description of him. Luke chapter 8, and it starts in verse 26. They sailed to a region of Gennesaret, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, notice this, he doesn't even have a chance to hardly sit down. Jesus stepped ashore. He was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes. Uh, that's pretty wild. Not your usual person. But rather than laugh at him, it's like, ah, that's crazy. Now, he's really... He doesn't wear clothes because he doesn't care anymore. My brother was an, uh, a medic in Vietnam, and he said when he first got over there, if somebody was hurt, he was a medic, so he'd carry people out that were shot. He said when he'd first grab them, it would be like, ugh, blood will get on your hands. What do you immediately want to do? You want to wipe it off. Yeah. And then the next person would be, and try to, and pretty soon it's like, who cares? We're just helping people. You wipe blood all over your shirt. And then you start talking to people, and somebody who had not been in the battle would come over and go, man, you got blood all over you. And he would almost say, who cares? It's been on me so long, it doesn't matter. It's sort of like you playing outside as a little girl, little boy, whatever. Remember that? You'd come in, mud all over your face. Mom's like, look, you've got your clothes filthy. It's like, well, Mom, I tried to stay clean for a while, but then it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't think anybody, it's like a cake with mud. You don't find ball players go, time out. Can you get that mud off of me? I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you don't do that. Baseball player slides in, whoa, time to go to the dry cleaner. Hang, hang on just a second. I don't have enough. You don't care. I mean, I've done that before. Somebody said, hey, you look like you're bleeding through here. That's all right. Just put a Band-Aid on. Let's go. Really? Yeah. This man's, I don't know if anybody's told you or not, but you don't have any clothes on. I don't care. I don't care about clothes. I don't care about life. I don't care about, I have no friends. I'm a zero in this world. What's your name? Legion. Because there's many demons inside me. That's probably what he would have done if he just shook your hand. He screams. He shrieks. The, the devil won't let him go. Until this day. And he comes up and shakes hands with Jesus. Not worn clothes. He doesn't live in a house. Where's he live? Well, he'll look right there. He's out there on the shore. 
She's living outside, sleeping on rocks, rolling in the grass, buck naked. Who cares? What a life. I would call that wild. A little on the wild side. He's so wild, most people don't want to talk to him. Oh, I'm not going up there. He's crazy. I've heard about that guy. He was met by Jesus on this day. Keep reading. Didn't have a house, lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Where's the tombs at? Where people die, we're burying you. He's living in a graveyard. Okay, buck naked. Living in the outside. Doesn't have a home. Living in a graveyard. I would call him hopeless. But see, that's until Jesus touches my heart and he says, Eggers, nobody's hopeless. Okay. Nobody's hopeless. So this man who has zero friends, nobody even wants to be around him. He's pretty wild. When he saw Jesus... Very important right here. Please watch this. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice. And I won't do that. It'll probably scare you. But he said, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Now, who's speaking, the man or the demons? The demons. The demons in hell are shouting and saying, O Son of God. I tell you what, those demons got more faith than some of the people I know. You know what I mean? These are demons in hell that believe in Jesus. These are demons in hell that call Him the Son of God, of Most High God. These demons in hell know who this is. They're scared of Jesus. Next time you, you say, oh, i got Jesus in my heart. The devil just tempts me and he frets me. Guess what? You have got a power that you haven't tapped in yet. I read a story in the Max Cato book. It's so cool. This woman in about the, you know, a small remote area of Scotland. She said they came into their area and they started running electric lines because the people up until that time had oil lamps and they would light the oil lamps and go through. This company came in and started running electric lines to go through that village and get them to each ever, you know, everybody's house. And I thought, wow, this is cool. So the woman, sure enough, hey, run wires to my house. She had, for a long time, she had just simply, you know, turned on the oil lamp, lit it, do that. So they ran lights, sure enough, ran to our house, they clicked them on, yep, made sure they worked. And then they thought after a couple weeks, after a month or so, after, they noticed her meter on the house was barely moving. So they went out to see if anything was wrong. And they said, Mrs. So-and-so out there in the remote part of Scotland, you do have electricity, right? She said, oh, yeah. So it's working. Oh, yeah. Have you tried it? She says, yes. We turn it on every night to see to light the oil lamps. And then we turn the lights back off. Okay, you're sort of defeating the purpose of having electricity. You're using it to light the oil lamp that you've always used. Yeah, it sort of helps out lighting the oil lamp. So you're not really using the power that you have. You're just relying on your old way of life. I think that describes a lot of Christians right there. It's like, hallelujah, I'm glad I'm saved. Now let me go right back. It's like, that's a checklist. Whew, took care of that. Now let me go back and live the way I always have. Can't quite do that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things become new. If something doesn't change, you're not saved. Really? That's God. See, this is a written word. He's the living word. So this, in essence, is sort of like reading Jesus. And Jesus says, if you don't change, you're lost. you got people that just never understand it. Let me go back to the old way of life. I would never, remember I was married for 35 years, I would never think that on the day that someone's married would say, I do. 
Good, took care of that. I can go back and live the way I want to. Oh, no, no. I do means that you have now started on a long journey of being together. When you say, I do, to Jesus, it's sort of like, I said this yesterday in my church. Y'all would appreciate this. This girl got saved. Her name's Taylor. And I said, at the end of a wedding, they'll sometimes do this, about every wedding I've ever been to. Let's say, I'm going to use my wife and I, let's say we just got married. The preacher would now say, I would like to now present Mr. and Mrs. Edgar Moser. And they would applaud and say, you're married. Do you realize Jesus calls himself the bridegroom and we are the bride? You might think that's odd. You guys especially, I'm the bride. Remember, just go along. That's what they portray us in the Bible. Jesus is the bridegroom and we're the bride. So when Taylor got saved, I said, may I now present to you Taylor and Jesus because she just now, in essence, got married to Jesus. We all get married to Jesus when we accept him as Savior. He becomes the bridegroom, we're the bride. So you mean it's someone like Jesus is saying, would you marry me when we, would you let me save you? And we say, yes, that's cool. Now, once we're married, so to speak, once we're together, when do we ever go apart? Well, you should never go apart. But some people slide away, you know what they call that, and some of y'all I feel sorry for if you do, but if you got a mom and dad and aren't together anymore, you know what they call that? Divorced. Before you get divorced, sometimes they call that what? Separated. And some Christians are separated from Jesus right now. I'm mad at God. Really? Yeah. You go on, Jesus, leave me be. But that's the person that saved you. Yeah, but I'm mad at him, so I'm separated from Jesus. Well, you can't actually ever be divorced because he's promised in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a nice way of saying I will never divorce you. You can get mad at me, but I'll never leave you. So this demon-possessed man, Jesus says, I'm here to help you. And a demon-possessed man named Legion, crazy guy, no clothes, no home, living in a graveyard. When he saw Jesus, he knew who he was, fell at his feet. Jesus commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot, kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven for the, by the demon into a solitary place out there all alone. This is a hardcore lost person. He is wild. People of the town even called him wild. Jesus asked him, What's your name? Legion, he said, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go to the abyss. A large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into them. He gave them permission. Notice they had to ask Jesus. He begged them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they, man, they went into the pigs. The herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town of the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And this wild man who they were just scared to death of, when they came out, they found him dressed in his right mind, talking to Jesus. And now they were afraid of him. They begged Jesus to leave the area. That man was wild. And Jesus tamed him. Now, the story doesn't end there. Um, remember what I said, you got two wilds. You're either wild, so to speak, before you get saved. You got that, I just want to do what the devil wants me to do. It's the wild part of me. Some people call that, and your preacher might call it this. What kind of nature is that? That's a sin nature. Sin nature is sort of wild. It just wants to buck like a bronco and get away from God and do what he wants to. That's what this man was doing. Well, this man got saved. He left that wild side, but now watch how wild he becomes for Jesus. He no longer wants to be by himself. Keep reading the story. All the people asked Jesus, would you just leave the area? It's sort of sad, but look at verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. That's pretty wild. 
He never wanted to be around anybody probably for weeks, months, years. Now he says, Jesus, can I go with you? Jesus said, no, no, I want you to do this for me. Return home. What had he never had for years? A home. I want you to return home and tell how much God's done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The man was naked. He was clothed. Crazy. He's in his right mind. He's never had a home. He's going home. And he's never known God. And now he's got Jesus. And he goes back in. And I guarantee you somebody, when he walked into his home for the first time, let's pretend like going home and Mrs. Can't call her Mrs. Legion. But anyway, she knocked on, he knocked on the door. Honey, I'm home. What is wrong with you? You are acting weird or wild. Well, I met Jesus. And he said to come back and tell everybody. Wow. So he's went from wild sinner to wild saint. See, what I'm going to try to get you to do this week is sort of like to see that we're lost. And if you are, to be saved. And I'm going to get you to who are saved to quit being average. I don't think Jesus ever called us to be average. Now, he didn't, he didn't say, I'm going to be Jonathan Falwell and have a church of 22,000. But then again, anybody ever sports team? Played a, played a sport? Picture this right here, a coach. I'll be your coach. And I'll come into the locker room and give you a peck talk. I want you to go out there tonight and be average. Average? I want you to go out there and at least tie. Go out there and just... Be mediocre. Mediocre and average. I think I got that, coach. Aren't we supposed to be champions? It really doesn't matter. It doesn't. Wow. If a coach walked off from me, I'd probably be a little bit irritated. I did have a coach do that in high school. I think he was doing it as a test. He said, I don't even want to mess with y'all. And he walked off. I'll tell you what, I was that close to walking off too because it was in the hot summer sun. And I looked over and the captain, Ricky Bauer, was sitting there and I said, Ricky, wait. He goes, we got to stay here. And I went, oh, I just love to have a drink of water, pray for rain, do something. It's as hot out here. And he says, no, we're not. We went ahead and practiced without him for about an hour and a half. Our coach came back and he says, I just wanted to see if y'all were quitters. I'm proud of you if you're not quitting. Let's go ahead and finish your practice. Some of us almost thought about walking off. But anyway, he, he tested us. So that's okay. That's all right. But we passed that test. Well, Jesus, I think, sort of tests us. He says, you want to be on the wild side with me? You want to do this? Next little scripture right here. Pop that one up there. Go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Jesus is going to ask Simon Peter to be a little bit on the wild side right here. Simon Peter is Mr. Impulsive. He sliced off a man's ear one time with a sword. Went down and caught a fish, pulled a coin out to pay taxes. He was the one that just wanted to jump out and do things before anybody else did. He's going to do that right here. It's nighttime, scary time. Some of you are scared of the dark or something. I don't know. I think it's just that we don't like, like it when we can't see real well. Well, it's nighttime. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat, verse 23, and go on ahead of him to the other side when he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed him, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. When evening came... He was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Matter of fact, it's about three and a half miles. I looked that up, three and a half miles from land. Why did he wait until it's out here? Because you have no recourse. You can't step on the land. I think that shows the people that read the Bible that the, it wasn't like it was a shoreline where Peter walked on the shore. No, it's three and a half miles. I don't think you're going to have the shoreline come out three and a half miles. Anybody ever been to the beach or someplace like that? The shore does go out there, and then you go, and everybody disappears. 
yeah, yeah, you just walked off the little underwater shore there. Then you drop 80 feet and find where the bottom disappeared to. He's out there three and a half miles. When evening came, he was there alone. Boat was three and a half miles from shore. Buffeted by the waves, that makes him scared. During the fourth watch, you don't know what time that is, that's from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. If I wake you up tonight at 3.30 in the morning, probably be a little more scary than middle of the day. You know, we can't see as well. So it's 3 a.m. in the morning, 3 to 6. Jesus decided to, I think, have some fun with these guys. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them and walked on the lake. When the disciples saw him, they were extremely happy. Now, they were terrified. These big, strong fishermen were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Grown men crying out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, wait, <laughs> take courage. In other words, don't be terrified. It's me. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, at least Peter spoke. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. <laughs> come. Oh, I was hoping you'd say that. No, he wasn't. Lord, if it's you, you tell me to come to you. And, and he probably looked at the other disciples. Yeah, that ghost ain't saying nothing now. Come was the word he heard. Oh. Now, what did the disciples in the boat probably do? Well, go ahead. You said you're going. Well, I'm going. Well, why don't you go? Well, I'm not going. Well, making fun of Peter. Well, you said you were going to go. Why don't you go? Well, why don't you? Well, why don't, you're the one out in the boat. <sighs> now he's calling it. It's almost like John back here says, I double dog dare you to get out there. A double dog dare I go. Okay. <laughs> Tips to step out of the boat and, wow, this is cool. And he begins to walk. And he walks toward Jesus a step at a time going, wow, this is so neat. Now the disciples in the boat, I have a feeling, probably say, I wish I would have done that. I wish I'd have got out of the boat. I wish I'd have done that. But the waves are still going, and Peter can only stand so much of this, and then the waves finally take him over, and oh, he gets covered up by the waves because he stopped believing in that he'd walk, and he starts to sink, and Jesus has to reach out and grab him. Now, I want you to notice something that's cool about this story, though. How did they get back to the boat? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, ye of little faith, like you were doing so good. Why'd you doubt? Verse 32, And when they had climbed into the boat, how did they get to the boat? Now, I can't picture Jesus starting to swim. Either Jesus has got to come down to Simon Peter's level and swim by, or he's going to help Peter back up on the waves, and they both will walk to the boat. And I think they are. And while they're walking on the water, Simon Peter looking around, You got in the boat. Look at me. Jesus, careful. You'll sink again, okay? Don't let pride get up. But they walk to the boat, they get into the boat, and I guarantee you, into, probably in unison, you know what all the disciples said? That was wild. Wasn't it, though? Y'all could have done it, but I was the only one out there. So we got a man who's demon-zessed, who's wild. We got Peter who's living wild as a Christian. How do you put the two together? Check this out, and I'll show you. Again, the tiger. Some of you may think, well, I was never really wild. I wasn't demon-possessed like that guy. I wasn't crazy. You got to understand, you're either this or this. What do you mean? Well, may I remind you all of us of something? There are really two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. So don't sit there and say, I'm really not that wild. I didn't run buck naked and have no clothes and scream and holler in the banks and roll on the grass. Yeah, but you're going to the same hill that this guy is. Isn't that sad? So I might not be as wild as a motorcycle gang guy who's killed four people, but we're really going to the same hill. 
That's, it's almost like, I know you've gotten the test paper back and you made a, let's pretend, did you get a 56? On, uh, let's just, and she goes, 56? And the girl beside her says, I made a 45. Oh, good. You still got an F? Yeah, but I'm not as bad as she is. That's the way we do sometimes. You still fail? Yeah, but at least I, quit doing that, you know? At least I'm not as bad as that guy. Have you ever accepted Jesus? No. Y'all going, going to the same hell hotel, okay? Really? Hell is a place for people who don't know Jesus. Heaven is a place for those who do. So it really boils down to there's two kingdoms. Here's the first kingdom. There's a kingdom of darkness, and those that don't know Jesus go there. And you say, well, that's sort of bad news, Edgar. Why are you telling me that? I'm just telling you the truth. There's a kingdom of light. Can I give you a couple of verses that... These should encourage you, but also to show the contrast. There's a kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Look in Acts. You can just read it with me. Acts chapter 26 says this. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So if I don't know God, I'm really under the power of Satan? That's scary. That's wild. I know. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those sanctified by faith in me. But I like that again. He changes from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Remember the demon possessed man? He changed from the power of Satan. Another gospel tells you that men would come out there, they would chain him up, and he'd break the chains, take off running. Where was he getting that power from? Wasn't from God. Yeah, demons. Satan was giving him the power. It sort of scares me when people say, I want to conjure up Uncle Billy here and talk to him. God will not let you do that. Well, I've talked to Billy before. You're talking to a demon. Really? Yeah. Why does Satan do that? Because he wants to keep you lost. You mean I can't talk to dead people? Mm, I never have. Don't plan on it. Don't want to. I can't do that. That's the power of darkness. It's the power of Satan. Now the power of God will fill me and I'll have power and I'll have encouragement and I'll peace, hope, joy. Those are called fruits of the Spirit. So this right here sort of scares me that some people think I'm lost, but I'm not lost as he is. Y'all do understand how would you, you know, sort of think you're right. I guess you prove a point. That is sort of dumb, isn't it? Yeah, I'm lost and you're lost, but I'm not as lost as you are. <laughs> what difference does it make? It makes about as much. I've heard, heard uh, countries that say we're going to develop about five atom bombs and going to drop them on a certain country or a big nuclear bomb. How many bombs is it going to take to kill them? Yeah, we've got 12 made now. We won't even need those other 11, okay? Because we're going to just be obliterated on the first one. I'm not as lost as you are. really doesn't make any difference. How about this one? For he has rescued us. I like that Jesus come down to get us. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's the kingdom of light. Here's a cool one right here. This verse Shoot it up the top. 1 Peter 2, 9. You, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Once you become a Christian, look at this. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. What was the song that you sang tonight, if you'll remember, just 10 minutes ago? Out of what? Darkness into what? Yeah, wow. They actually did a song that blends right in my message. Who would have thought that? So there's two kingdoms. Yep. One of them's pretty wild. I'm glad God has never subjected me to this. I don't really want to. 
But if I knew about the kingdom of darkness, now I'm living in the kingdom of light, and I know Jesus. He's the light of the world. But I guarantee you, if I was around some of the darkness things that God keeps me from, I would be a little scared. Now, I would like to think I'd be brave and take it on. But there's a kingdom of darkness out there that Satan would come at you. And God protects me from that, but it would be scary. So you mean you've seen people like that? I've been around a couple of people in my life that I felt darkness almost move in a little bit, and I'm thinking, okay, this doesn't seem right. It's almost like a dark cloud come over me. It was like, I can tell this person's not quite right. So is that Satan? Yeah. It's an eerie feeling. You just don't like that. That would be scary. I'm glad God takes care of me. When I move into the light, you know what that's like when you're around other believers. You almost feel like, like I'm home. I can sort of rest. I can drop my guard down a little bit. What else about these two kingdoms then? This may seem confusing. No wonder. I don't know if you've ever figured this out. You're going to see it right now. Probably the first time in your life. Are you ready? Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. See, he tries to confuse you. Or am I in the light? Well, if you know Jesus, you are. And Satan is darkness. Every once in a while, Satan over here in the darkness tries to make himself appear as though he's an what? Angel of light. What's Satan's real name? Bible time. What's Satan's real name? Lucifer. He was an angel of... He's the highest angel there. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's beautiful, the Bible tells us. He's so wow that he thinks, I'm, well, I'm equal to God. Not that wow. And he gets jealous and tries to, and God kicks him out, and a third of the angels went with him. But Lucifer is very beautiful. So Satan himself tries to masquerade. Yeah, it's almost like he puts on a disguise. Does he ever do that with us? Oh, all the time. Listen, this won't hurt you. It's a hand grenade. Go ahead and, yeah, he's going to try to talk you into stuff. He does that with a lot of people. This one drink won't hurt you. Wow. And you realize you are the father of the Bible calls him the father of lies. But look what he's masquerading as. He's out to sort of trick us if he can. So we got a, the power of darkness trying to be like the light. It's a little confusing sometimes when he's trying to be incognito. But here's what the Bible calls Satan. Keep your senses. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring. That's pretty wild. He walks about like a lion seeking to devour someone, whoever he can. But isn't this odd that the Bible says he walks about like a roaring lion? What is Jesus called? Well, here's what he is. He's the Lion of Judah. See, that almost makes me mad at Satan. I don't like him at all. I, I try not to use hate because that's his word. I bore evil, James tells me. I bore evil, cling to what's good. But I don't like that, that Satan tries to be. I'm an angel of light. No, you're not. You're the power of darkness. Well, I'm the lion. No, I've got the real lion of Judah. So you're trying to still be like Jesus. And yeah, so he sort of sets himself up to say, you're not that bad. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, yeah, that's, that's bad. So I'm trying to just... Mm, I'm trying to expose him for what he is. Is that a little wild? Sure it is. Keep going. A little confusing at times. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls, another version, around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So if I can resist the, the prowling, the roaring lion there called Satan, and really just remember this, that I belong to the line of Judah, which is this picture, you'll see that I've got to be weary of this line by clinging to the other line. Let me show you the other line. Click this one up. Anybody ever seen uh, the Chronicles of Narnia? You're looking at a grown man. I'm 60 years old, and yet I cried when I watch it. Because when he gets tied up and just 
cheers him up and takes him up. You ever see that movie and really think through that? The man who, the little boy who uh, sort of betrays the whole group. What's his name? Edmund. Edmund. Well, see, we're Edmund. Why? Because we went after the, it's like the ice queen there, the princess. That's Satan. So we sort of go after that witch, yeah, that's, and we turn her back. And yet when the lion shows up, one of my favorite parts of that movie, when he comes out of there, he says, okay, basically, I've, I've taken care of Edmund. What he says by taking, I've paid for his wrong. I'm going to die for him. That's the law. And this, what is it? The ice princess, witch, whatever she is. She stands up in that sled and says, just you make sure you obey the law. You remember what the line does? He turns around and goes, I am the law. And she goes like this and sits back down. See, that's what Jesus does to Satan. So it's almost like Satan trying to quote scripture. And Jesus, don't you ever quote the law to me. I am the law. Okay, well, just in this, and Satan shrinks back down. Remember what the demons did when Jesus spoke to them? They shrunk down and bowed at his feet. This power of darkness thinks that they're all so cool. They're the motorcycle gang coming in and womp up everybody. And Jesus gets off and says, I'm not taking anything off of anybody. I will crush your head with my heel. I am God Almighty. See, that's the power of light. So I love that that line of Judah represents us. Okay, the last thing I'll throw at you. It's found in... This portion of scripture. Some appear lost, but some are saved. Some appear saved, but are lost. And you say, boy, this is confusing. No, it really isn't. When you stop and think, I wish I had a spiritual x-ray machine. Last thing I'll give you tonight to think about. Some of you here tonight might be this way. I got one example. He's lost, but he acts lost, but he's really saved. Who um, was the man that walked on the water a minute ago? The man who walked on the water besides Jesus. Who was the man that walked on the water? Peter. We'll find this brave man that jumped out on the water. Yeah, yeah, we live in the wild side. We'll find that same wild man over in John chapter 18. It was around the time that Jesus would be betrayed. And three times they asked Peter, do you know him? And each time this saved person, I know Peter was saved. He was a solid Christian, believed, trusted Christ. But watch what he did right here. They asked him, do you know the man? Do you know the man? And finally, one person asked him, surely you're him because your accent, your talk gives you away. And I don't know if that was a Galilean accent or whether he talked like a, a person that knew Jesus. Sometimes they can tell we're Christians by the way we talk. Did you know that? Jesus so much impacted Peter's life. Peter started talking like him or maybe again it might have been a Galilean accent. But anyway, this final person of the three times that he denied Jesus, the final person said, surely you're one of him. And Peter cursed and said, I don't know the man. Who was that that finally made Peter deny? Was it a big tough Roman soldier? Two swords? Yeah! Was it that guy? Oh no. The rooster crowed after he denied him. But who was the third person that brought Peter out and caused him to curse? You remember? It was what? Yeah, it was almost like a little it was what? A maid. a maid, so it's a, you're right, a woman. Some people even think that was a servant girl, a maid. So can you picture this? Big old tough fisherman got a tattoo on there. I love mom. Right there on his arm, yeah. Big old, I've been passing truck this morning. You know, he's a tough guy. And little girl, surely you're a Christian. I'm not. Wow. That little girl just now made you 
act a little wild. And by acting wild, you're a saved person, but you sure acted lost. Yeah, Peter acted lost and saved. Be careful how you say that too much because everybody in this room has probably done that at least once in their life. See, if you're saved and you'd act lost, I can imagine somebody come up around your locker or lunchroom table or wherever and go, did I just hear you say that? I didn't mean to. I just, you know, wow, and you're a Christian? Well, what you do, take cussing as a foreign language for the last two weeks? Man, you let loose about five words there and make a sailor blush. What's the deal? Well, because that's my friends. That's what they talk like. So you're going to be with your friends. Why? How come? So don't laugh at Peter too much. Peter's little old girl had just sort of put him in his place. Big old tough Peter suddenly just decided to... So Peter is acts lost, but he's really saved. You know what puts us Christians to shame sometimes is this guy. It's over in Acts. This man, <laughs> it's amazing. This guy is lost... But he acts what? He acts saved. This man, let me show you a little bit about him. Acts chapter 8. Philip is out there in a desert place. Sort of like the same temperatures here. He's out there in a desert place. I know you're hot. Hang in there. Philip goes to see this man. Now, angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, to the desert road. There goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza means it's really the desert place. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to what? Read it right there, to worship. Okay, he's going to church. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. How, how many of you really read your Bible on a regular basis? I don't. Here's a lost man going to church reading his Bible. He's got Christians beat. And he is a... What's his important official title? He is a what? He's a treasurer. So he must be... So let's just describe this man. He's honest. He's noble. He works with the queen. He's honest. He's noble. Trustworthy. Going to church. Reading his Bible. And seeking some kind of truth. And yet he's still lost. So we got Peter who's saved. And a little servant girl makes him curse and deny God. This man's lost as can be, and yet going to church, reading the Bible. And so Philip runs up with the chariot. Anybody running track or cross country can identify that. Philip runs up with the chariot and says, watch this. Love this verse. Do you understand what you're reading? How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. What did the man just now invite Peter to do? I mean, Philip to do? I don't know it. Would you tell me? I would love it if lost people come to Life Point Church every week and did that. Well, hi. Are you the pastor? I sure am. Would you explain the Bible? Wow, sure. I'd be glad to. Those are called seekers. Let me tell you, a seeker's a little bit different. Now, they're still lost, but at least, picture a door right here, and you say, okay, I can go in. Yeah, okay. Just for sake of illustration, let's put Jesus on the other side of the door. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, you say, I got that verse. Wait a minute, real careful now. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus goes like this to your heart's door. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, that's only half of it. So you're on the other side of the door going, I, yep, I hear you, Jesus. You're still lost. Really? 
Yeah, you heard his voice, but you haven't, you haven't what? You haven't opened the door yet. Also, when God speaks to my heart, I'm not saved? No. See, it's like you're listening through the door. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, then I'll come in with him and dine with him and he with me. I just think a lot of people hear, this woman's hearing his voice. She's a seeker. She hadn't opened the door yet. This man, Lydia, that's another example. They're seeking God. I think some of you might show up in church on a Sunday. You're sort of, well, at least I'm here and I'm sort of seeking. And then you walk out the door, I'm still seeking. <laughs> it's like it's like a continual Easter egg hunt and you've never found anything. What if we played hide and go seek and you never found me? I'm still looking. How long has you been here? About eight years. Call out a search party if you ain't found me in that time. So you're hearing God's voice, but you just still need to answer the door. Well, this, one, this man is seeking. He goes to church trying to find out some things, still is not saved. You understand what you're reading? How can I unless you explain it to me? So he joined Philip. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Here's what he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? And Philip says he's talking about Jesus Christ. Really? Yeah. He's talking about Jesus Philip began that very passage of Scripture and told him about the good news of Jesus. I think he explained, here's what you need to do. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ethiopian Candace, eunuch treasurer, what all your titles are, but you're still lost. I don't feel lost. I've been to church. You're still lost. You're living in the kingdom of darkness. I, I don't feel dark. I mean, I went to church. I'm reading the Bible. Still dark. Still lost. Can you tell me about the light? Sure can. Jesus Christ, He came into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died on a cross to pay for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. He says, all who will come to me, I'll save. Come to Him. and So He says, so i got to put my faith in Him. You have Romans 10, 13. says, what? For anyone shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This man says, Philip, I want that. And Philip says, pray with me. I can just imagine this. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I now ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Save my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. He looks up and goes, doesn't see angels bouncing off the wall, but Philip says, did you really mean that? Yes, I want my life to change. I want Jesus as my Savior. Well, then you'll be obedient. What should I do? Uh, well, one of the first few things, once you know Jesus, is you probably want to be baptized. Guess what the next thing is? Well, there's some water. Can I be baptized right now? <laughs> Philip's like, sure. <laughs> Pull a chariot up. Goes down into the water, baptizes him. What else should you do? Keep reading if you want to learn from this guy. He told him the good news about Jesus. He, I think he got saved. As they traveled the road, they came to some water. A eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. Both Philip and eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. I think he was called away. But the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. That shows me that he's saved. So this man's life changed. Isn't that odd though? Which one of those two categories do we sometimes get into? Am I like Peter that sort of denies? If someone really push comes to shove and said, are you a Christian? Do you go to church? Well, 
So you're saved and act like you're not. This guy's lost and act like he's saved. Last thing on this one. How about you? Are you what you seem to be or something else? Some of us are like this right here. We act lost, but we're saved. We try to act lost to fit in. And I did that a little bit in high school, and I soon felt two-faced. felt like I was putting on an act. And I finally said, Lord, I can't do this. Would you forgive me? And I, what I was called, some people call it backslidden. You just feel away from Jesus, and you finally rededicate your life and come back closer to Him. And He can do with you what He wants to. Some people act saved, and you probably got people, oh, I'm a Christian. Has anybody ever crossed paths at least once in their life with somebody who said they're a Christian, but you probably know that they're not? Yeah. I had a guy one time, I said, can I talk to you? Oh, I know that Bible, do you? I know it from Genesis to Revolution. See, first of all, it's not Revolution, it's Revelation, but I can tell you you really know it. You're not saved. Only God knows if there are, but the Bible says by their fruits you'll know them if there's a changed life. I mean, I wouldn't want people cursing, but I actually asked a woman one time, she said a cuss word in front of me, she, I guess she meant well, it showed you it was so much in the habit. I said, can I talk to you, you know, just, you know, Talk to her about the Lord and the church. And I said, well, you know, if you, it's not just going to church. It, it's, church is important, but you really you want to know Jesus. But do you go to church? Her first word was hell. I was like, oh, hell, I go to church. I can see it's doing you a lot of good. Why would you cuss telling somebody you go to church? Doesn't even make sense, does it? I said, well, what do you get out of it? Oh, and I haven't been in a while. Translate that for me. She's probably, when she was four years old, she's 90. You know, I haven't been in a while, like two decades. Oh, I really only go at Christmas and Easter. Call them Creasters. Christmas and Easter, Creasters. Show up twice a year. It's called the dental plan, you know. You know, get your check, teeth checked twice a year, they go to church twice a year. But they think they're Christians. And then you start talking to them and they say, you know, it's not going to church, you know. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. So I finally say this, get these guys to thinking. It's time you quit, came clean and quit acting like the world. So some of you who are I'd call backslidden, it's like, well, you know, I don't, haven't read my Bible. Matter of fact, first thing I've done for God a long time is come to camp. I don't feel close to him. It's time you come clean and started acting like what you really are, and that's a Christian. Or maybe it's this, it's time we quit acting like goody two-shoes and actually was honest, it's time you came clean and quit acting like you're saved. Like, I'm just going to be like this, and nobody will really know who I am. That's living a uh, act. By the way, if you're not who you're acting like, what do they call that? Uh, besides fake, keep going. Yeah, you're fake. Hypocrisy. Yeah, you're hypocrite. Phony. You get the ideas now. I wouldn't want somebody to call me phony, fake, hypocrite. I wouldn't want people to call me those things. You are what you are. Yeah. So it's time we come clean. Yeah. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, as we start our camp week off, there's some people in here that probably could fool the world. They could fool the world and the world might look at them and say, wow, you've got to be a Christian. You don't cuss. You don't act ugly. You say yes or no, sir. Everything's good in your life. But they don't know Jesus. They're sort of like the man Philip met on the desert road. Coming from church, reading the Bible. Honest. But he was in the kingdom of darkness. But he was doing such a good job it was almost hard to tell. And maybe someone in here is like it. It's almost putting on an act. Like, I want people to think I'm a Christian. 
but they're not really. And we've got others that maybe are saved that uh, haven't been acting like that and haven't been living that way. They sort of act a little bit more like the world so they'd be accepted. Both people really need to change. Some need to come home and rededicate their life to you and some need to find home. So dear Jesus, tonight as you speak to our hearts and just remind us that even though we may be away from you in the kingdom of darkness, we may not be a horrible person, we may not be like the man that Jesus you met out there and whose name was Legion, we may not be that bad, but if we're without you, we're in the kingdom of darkness. And you came to seek and to save who were lost. So Jesus, tonight I pray that they would trust you as their Savior. They would ask forgiveness and say, Jesus, I want to be yours. And at that moment, like the verses we read, we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We get to see the light of the world, you, Jesus. And so, Jesus, I pray that if someone here doesn't know you, you'd speak to them. And I pray for others who need a little bit more boldness in their walk. Maybe we're like Peter. We just get defeated so easily. A little servant girl, a maid, caused Peter to curse and sort of give up his faith in a way, his testimony. I wonder what makes us give ours up sometimes. We can get defeated so easily. Someone can mock us or make fun of us and suddenly, well, I'm not a Christian and we really are, but we're just so embarrassed. Jesus, help us to never be ashamed of you. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation. That's what Acts tells us. So Jesus, tonight, help us to just come clean and then live boldly for you. That's a little on the wild side. You might not walk on water like Peter did, but you'll help us to empower us to do things we never thought we could do. So thanks for tonight's chapel. I pray that you would just speak to us this week. Thanks for the campers that are here. Everybody, you know their heart, and you know what we need. So Jesus, thank you for listening and being there for us and waiting for us to call on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.